You're listening to the Branches HB Podcast. Happy Sunday. I am Austin. I am the youth and young adults pastor here at Branches, and it's an honor as always to be with you this morning. I'm going to begin with a praise report. My wife, Karen, and I, in 48 hours, in two days, on Tuesday, are going to be celebrating two years married. Yes. So stoked. We are going to Palm Springs tomorrow. So after I'm done preaching all the messages, I'm just going to lay down and read for three days, and I'm excited. That is my happy place. I'm a book nerd, like above all else. I love surfing and skating, but reading books, prime. That's where it's at. But these two years have been awesome. So much beauty, so many fun times, so many refining times. Something I didn't see coming was having three different homes within two years. First, we were in Sunset. Then we were at the in-laws, long story. And then we were, now we are where we are now in Newport Beach. And it's been awesome. Once again, long story, not the context for it. But something I learned is that oftentimes you buy furniture for one apartment and then you get different furniture when you go on to the next apartment. I kind of just assumed you bought furniture and you had it for the next 20 years. But with apartments, there's different uh, shapes and sizes with different rooms and all that kind of stuff. So we got rid of our old couch. Thank the Lord. It was aesthetically pleasing, but it was not comfy. Like I never wanted to sit on a couch. What's up with a couch that isn't comfy? should be an oxymoron. It's ridiculous. So we get this new couch. Kara sends me on a mission. I am to go to LA to pick up this couch that she found on OfferUp. So I recruit my friend, Zach Hall. Many of you might know him. His family's very involved here at Branches, and he's super involved with Common Ground, one of our parachurch organizations. I hit him up, and we take a van to LA. We get to the office where I'm going to pick it up, and I'm looking at this couch, and I'm like, there is no way this is going to make it inside the apartment. No way. It's this nine-foot couch. We're not even going to make it up the stairway. I'm looking at this like, Kara. And then after the fact, I talked to her, and she's like, yeah, I knew it was too big. I was aware. I had faith in you, though. And I was like, how dare you have faith in me like that? And so we're driving home from L.A. Mind you, it was so hard to get it in the van. Zach and I are not very strong boys. So we're just like getting into the van. We're driving home, and I'm like, Jesus, I pray for super strength. We are going to need it. We get to the alleyway where our back house is, and I'm looking up the stairway, and I'm like, oh, no. And I, Zach isn't saying anything, but I know he's thinking, oh, no. <laughs> we bring it up the first eight steps onto the landing and we're sweating and 20 minutes has already gone by. We bring it to the next landing just over. We had to pivot it. Have you guys seen the Friends episode with Ross going, pivot, pivot. That was us just pivoting this ginormous couch. And then finally, it's just like super narrow pathway, hard pivot, very small door. We have to try. So I stand on this wall over to the side, and like there's like 10 feet behind me, and I'm like pressing up with one arm, and Zach is over here like 
lifting it up. And then this woman comes from the alleyway and she's like, um, excuse me, can you guys move your van? Um, I'm trying to get through the alleyway. And I'm like, uh-huh, like bright red in the face, like sweating. And we're like, uh, and she's like, oh, do you need help? And we're like, yeah. And I'm thinking like maybe she has a husband or maybe a brother, a son. She's like, okay. She walks over and helps us. And I promise you, church, I think the Lord redirected my prayer request for Zach and I to have super strength and gave it to this woman because she begins to lift it. And I'm like, oh my goodness. (laughs) We make it up the stair set. We are at the door and it doesn't fit. And then it's prayer, but it felt like some Alice in Wonderland, like drink the potion shrinkage kind of thing. But after 10 minutes, Maybe just like staring at it super hard. We intimidated the door frame to be like, okay, and open a little bit more. But it finally made it in. We sat on the couch. John 1930, it is finished. And we are sitting there. And Zach's like, never make me do anything like this ever again. And I'm like, Zach, the day we move out, we're going to hire movers. We're going to watch them look at that couch and be like, how did you guys even get this in here? We're going to be like, yeah, exactly. How did we do that? So here's the thing. There was this super hard situation that I had zero faith that it would work out. Like my faith in this couch making it into the apartment was zero. Like I saw the stairway, I saw the door, I saw the enormous couch, not a chance. And I want to ask the question, how much harder is it in a trying circumstance when you cannot see the needed path in order to accomplish it? And more than that, how hard is it to trust in a God who was unseen to help guide us? And what I mean is, like, I could see the couch. I could see how it needed to get in. It doesn't mean I knew how it was going to get in. But when we're in this hard time, and God who we cannot see has to intervene, it's easy for us to lose faith. But church, that is the perfect time to put our faith in him. When things are off the rails, When there is no hope, we put our hope in the living hope. We cling to God in faith. But what does that mean? What does it mean to have faith in God? It's not like a subscription. It's not like Apple TV, Netflix, Hulu, or anything like that. We don't follow him like we follow someone on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or anything like that amongst other people we follow. Rather, it's faith that we sincerely declare Jesus as Lord. It's faith that does something in us. It is faith in action, faith that moves us, faith that grows legs and wings and takes us places. It's faith with substance. We have to have skin in the game with our faith in God. It is faith that is tested, tried, and confidently testified that Jesus is Lord. Here's what he's doing in me, and here's what he can do in you. And in our text today, Peter gets called little faith. And I believe that resonates with all of us today. Let's jump into today's text. This is going to be out of Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 36. If you need a Bible, you can raise your hand and Usher will bring one to you. The words will be on the screen. Everyone's taking me up on the words will be on the screen. This happened last service too. It's fine. I genuinely do the same thing. Words will be up on the screen. This is Matthew 14, 22 to 36. And this is the word of the Lord. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. 
But the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter said, tell me to come out to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we are looking to you that you would increase our faith. That might just take stepping out. So may we look to you. Amen. So this sec section is immediately coattailing what we read last week with Jesus feeding the 5,000. And now he's telling the disciples, get into the boat, head off to the other side. I will see you shortly. I have to dismiss the crowds. And Jesus has his ministry time, I'm assuming, talks to a few individuals. And having done so, he then goes to the mountainside to pray. What's Jesus doing here? He's doing what he loves to do. He's being with the Father, revealing this heart posture that we must all have, this continuous going to the Father. This was habitual in the ministry of Jesus, going to the mountainside, to the side of the lake, to the desolate place. He was always going to be with the Father. He would go to the Father to find rest, to find energy, to work through grief, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's working through grief with the Father in his presence. And he goes to the Father to find the spiritual sustenance to deal with his knucklehead disciples. And I imagine how the conversation went. He's talking to the Father about the look in the disciples' eyes when bread kept being pulled out of the basket. When the boy who brought the two, five loaves and two fish was crowd-surfed amongst the masses for bringing food for 5,000 people. Or the look in their eyes when they're going to see Jesus walking on the water. Let's see, Father, if they finally get it. Do they? No. Do we? Not often. So we see the boat is already a ways away. It is after dawn, sometime between 3 and 6 in the morning. And the disciples have been fighting this storm for hours. For hours. It's so easy to just read from like one verse to the next and not think about how the disciples were feeling. It was hours that they were fighting this storm, and now Jesus begins to make his journey toward them. What is he up to? Let's imagine the scene. They're fighting the storm for hours. They're exhausted, lightheaded, soaking wet from the wind and the rain and the waves breaking in. And then there comes this figure of this walking man toward them, 
on the ocean, the moving waves like in slow-mo and it's dark and there's like cracks of lightning like on Monday, you guys saw that lightning? It's like cracks of lightning lighting up his face and then dark again. It's like this scene from Pirates of the Caribbean. It's like Davy Jones walking on the water toward them. They're in his territory. They are freaking out. They're like, it's like the storm was bad enough, but now there's this literal ghost walking on the water, welcoming us to our death. What is going on? But then we see the graciousness of Jesus, their rabbi, their master, their savior. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Everything's going to be okay. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Take courage. Why does Jesus say this? Because he knows the situation they're in is hard. He recognizes the situation they are in is difficult. He doesn't say, man up, stop crying, get it together. You're supposed to be my disciples. No, he says, take courage. I recognize where you're at. This is difficult. You see, contrary to what some people may believe, God is not some unsympathetic deity floating in the clouds. Rather, he is near to us. We have a God that can sympathize with us. His heart breaks when ours does. When he sees us in distress, he extends a hand. He says, take courage. Why take courage? It is I. And Jesus saying, it is I, is a wink at Exodus 3.14, when God is talking with Moses, saying, you're going to have to go to Pharaoh. And Moses is like, I'm going to go to Pharaoh? You know Pharaoh. He's scary. He's mad. He's angry. He does crazy things. Who am I going to say sent me? I am who I am. Tell him I am sent you. So Jesus saying this, is in reference to I am, pointing himself toward deity. This is one of the three times Jesus does this within the gospel of counts. First one, he's talking to right here. The next one, he is talking to the Pharisees, and he says, before Abraham was, I am. And the third time, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Roman guards are out to get him, asking, where is Jesus of Nazareth? And he says, it is I. And the Roman guards fly back, like Jesus used the force. People don't touch on that verse enough. That's kind of crazy. He said, it is I, and they flew back. Don't be afraid. It's a good reason to not be afraid. God is with us. And here's the truth, church. We have a God that can sympathize with our storms and who calls us to courage because he is with us. And so Peter he takes Jesus up on that and more. Jesus challenge, or I'm sorry, Peter challenges Jesus. And we love Peter. Peter's for the people. He has his high highs and his low lows. Lord, if it's you, call me out. Bring me out to the water. Come, Jesus says. And Peter gets out of the boat and walks on the water toward Jesus, having the most literal sea legs as he is wobbling through the storm toward Jesus. And it's like the storm doesn't stop. We might think like Peter starts walking and then it's just like smooth. 
No, the storm is still going while Peter is walking, and he's probably walking toward Jesus, looking back at his disciples like, hey, we out here. Then he notices the wind, and he becomes afraid. He forgets what Jesus just said to him, and he begins to sink. Now, did he begin to sink because he noticed there was movement in the water? No. He couldn't be more aware. They were battling the storm for hours before Jesus got there. That's not it. Rather, he began to sink when he took his eyes off Jesus. When Peter's attention shifted from Jesus back to the storm, he began to sink in distress. And here's the reality for us, church. We can remain afloat in trying times if we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus rather than on our present circumstances. And we've all been there. We've all felt in some capacity called into something by God. God has instilled passion within us to do something, but then that something goes haywire and we lose Jesus in the process. As things are crumbling around us, we're like, what is going on? We've all been there. You might even be there right now. We can resonate with Peter. Peter is for the people. Peter, whom Jesus called the rock, is beginning to sink like a rock. But thankfully, there's hope. Lord, save me. The words that we initially save before receiving salvation and continuously receive as we are walking out the way of Jesus. Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Notice it doesn't say Jesus rushed over to Peter and helped him out. He just reached out his hand and caught him. He was at arm's reach from Peter, just as he is always at arm's reach for us. He's never distant. He is always near. Like, church, we do not need to look very far to find God. He is always with you, always a moment away always a thought away from intimate communion. God is closer than you think. He reaches out his hand and catches Peter. You of little faith, why did you doubt? He catches him and then instructs him. Notice he doesn't punish Peter for his doubt. Like Peter's sinking and he's like, too bad, Peter. Better luck next time. I thought better of you, but you're sinking. He catches him and instructs him and essentially makes Peter's reaction seem illogical. Why did you doubt, Peter? Well, Jesus, didn't you see that I was standing on the water during a storm? That's scary. Jesus is like, mm-hmm, go on. Well, I don't know. Peter, how were you walking on water in the first place? Didn't you find it odd that you overcame a popular human limitation by walking on a liquid? Didn't it strike you as unnatural? Oh, I mean, Peter, do you remember dinner? We had salmon and pita, all 5,000 of us. Five loaves and two fish, Peter. I did that. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Who else has been here? God has done some great work in our lives, and it's clearly God's work 
But later you're like, well, I'm not sure if that was actually God. Or maybe, yeah, it was God, but I don't know if he can do it again, even though he's literally God and stuff, right? But the truth of the matter is this, church. The Father does not look at you with contempt in these circumstances. The Father does not look at you with contempt in these circumstances. Rather, I imagine he's playful like Jesus, not condemning but playful, calling Peter little faith like it's a name. Like, come on, little faith. Come on, man. Why did you doubt? I'm right here, Peter. Literally, I was right next to you, Peter. God's gracious eyes look upon us, and he tells us just the same. My son, my daughter, why do you doubt? Take my hand. Walk with me. And once Peter and Jesus get in the boat, the wind dies down. And it's at that moment that those who were in the boat worshiped Jesus, saying, truly, you are the son of God. And notice, it wasn't when they saw him literally walking on the water. It wasn't when they saw he enabled Peter to walk on the water but rather it was after the third miraculous thing stopping the storm that they're like, wait a second, wait a second, you. You're not a regular rep. There's something about you. I just can't put my finger, son of God, right there. And we might think, man, it really took a while for his disciples to get it. Yeah, and it still does for his disciples today you and I. But the difference for us, brothers and sisters, is the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. The Holy Spirit lives in us, and the Holy Spirit's working in us to help increase our faith. What is he up to? Reminding us, refining us, and redefining us. My name is Austin Arthur Akers, and I love alliteration, so this is what we're working with. First, reminding. He's reminding us constantly about God, helping us see his fingerprints, his hand in our lives, what he is up to. As we are in God's word, he'll bring it to mind. He'll remind us of it, like a a day when you're just super burnt out, you're super tired, and you just have the verse come to mind from Matthew 11, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And you're like, yeah, that's a good word. I receive that. He helps keep God in mind when we allow him to, helping us grow in faith. Next, refining us. He makes us more like Jesus, turning trials into triumphs if we allow him to. You all might have experienced this in some capacity, but whenever you go through a trying situation, you're brought to a crossroads. You can either grow in humility and graciousness and wisdom as a result, or you can grow in bitterness and anger, and selfishness. Why is the world out to get me? But Jesus enables us to turn, Jesus enables us to turn trials into triumphs, making beauty from ashes when we see things through heaven's lens, allowing us to grow in character, become more like Jesus, enabling us to grow in faith. And then the last one, redefining us. The Holy Spirit serves as our seal of adoption in the words of Paul in the book of Romans. This verbiage coming from a king when they would write a letter, 
they'd use this wax seal on a letter to ensure that people would know that this was from the king. That's what the Holy Spirit does with us. God looks at us and he's like, that's my son. That's my daughter. The Holy Spirit serves as that seal. And when we dwell on our adoption, we grow in faith. When we allow the Holy Spirit to work, we grow in faith. And it's okay that we are all always growing in faith. This is a lifetime kind of thing. Paul writes to the church of Philippi in Philippians 1.6, I'm confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That means we are all in the process of becoming, not quite there until we are there. And then in 1 Corinthians 13.12, Paul says, for we see in a mirror dimly and then face to face. Now I know in part, but now, then I will know fully even as I have been fully known. So it's like the amount that we can grasp of God is like when we get out of the shower, we look in the mirror and we can kind of just like see our figure but can't see any details. It's this constant just growing in him. And the day when we are face to face with him, we're gonna be like, wow, I had no idea just how beautiful you are just how glorious you are, and we'll be led to praise for eternity. But today, it's just a long obedience in the same direction. We are always growing in faith. And by the work of the Holy Spirit within us, we will grow all the more as he is reminding, refining, and redefining us. But this doesn't come passively. Rather, it comes actively. So there's no such thing as a passive faith their faith is active. Faith without action is not faith at all. We see Peter, he took this step of faith. He stumbled, yes, but he had faith nonetheless. And here's the cool thing about walking with the Lord. It's not active faith and then the Lord comes near. No, the Lord is already near to us. He is always near to us, always an arm's length away, a moment or a thought away from communion but he just welcomes us in to lean in. He welcomes us in to do our part. He is near, what are we gonna do about it? What are we gonna do about it? And that's where practicing the way of Jesus comes in. Things like prayer, having this time of conversation with God, recognizing it's a two-way street, talking with him, bringing him praise and adoration, and from that, we grow in faith. It's by the reading of scriptures, being in God's word, learning his heart for humanity, and growing in our faith in Jesus the whole way through. Showing up for community, like how all you are doing today. And as we are in community, we are amongst image bearers. We get to see how God's image is uniquely reflected in each of us. And through that, we grow in faith by serving, by being God's hands and feet in our communities, seeing the work that he can do through us and what he is doing through others, we grow in faith. And in generosity, in the book of Malachi, God says, test me, test me with your giving and see what I can do. All of which are avenues for growing in faith and living true faith, that which is active faith. The end of this text, Jesus just proceeds to casually heal a ton of people. The word was spread throughout the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to Jesus. Not just like one person each, but they brought like a caravan. Like everyone was bringing everyone to Jesus to get healed. Notice their faith. 
They beg the sick to just be able to touch the edge of Jesus's cloak. That's incredible. All these random people had this faith and this rabbi. Meanwhile, Peter's faith wavered with the waves, <laughs> though he has long been with Jesus. And this reveals that faith in God is always a work in progress, kind of like keeping an outside patio clean. Anyone know what I'm talking about? So at our home, Kara and I, she is amazing and does 99.9% .9 of the cleaning. She gave the outside patio to me, and I'm, it's, it's unreal. I'm like done cleaning the patio, and then by the time I'm about to close the door, like eight leaves have already fallen, and I'm like, this is a never-ending project, just like our faith. We got to keep the momentum going, because it's easy to get hardened. It's easy to become numb. We need to consistently hold on to this childlike faith, that which comes from nearness to Jesus, this constantly turning and returning to him, this leaning on him and allowing the Holy Spirit to do the handiwork within our hearts. So we gotta take those steps of faith, even when it doesn't make sense. It did not make sense for Peter to do that. But in the moments that his eyes were fixed on Jesus, he was able to walk on that water he was able to remain afloat, and we can too, as we look into the loving eyes of our Savior rather than on our present circumstances. All of us, all of us of little faith will grow all the more into who we are becoming in Christ as we're all in the process of becoming. So be patient with yourself. God is patient with you. I'm gonna welcome up the worship team. If you can all stand with me as we go into this time of worship. Father, we thank you for your patience with us. We thank you for your grace that is sufficient for us. We thank you that you love us way more than we could ever know. Father, I pray that you would be leading us into that active faith. You would be leading us into that wholehearted abandonment, giving you our whole selves, beginning with right now, Lord, as we go into this time of worship as we're singing out to you, laying our hearts, our desires, and all that's within us at your feet. Because God, you are good. You are near to us. So may we lean in at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to the Branches HB podcast. For more information on Branches, you can visit our website at brancheshb.com or stay up to date with us on Instagram at BranchesHB. As always, we'd love to have you at one of our Sunday gatherings. So come visit us at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m. Locations are available on our website. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.